Hello and welcome to the Church Society podcast. I'm Ros Clark, I'm the Associate Director of Church Society and I'm your host here on these podcasts. This month we have the next in our occasional series, Getting to Know Some of Our Church Society Trust Parishes, and this week I'm talking to James Leggett. James, you are the, I'm going to say vicar, I don't know if that's actually your correct term. Uh, minister. Minister of St James yep. Church in Ryde, which is yep. on the Isle of Wight. Now, in my head, the Isle of Wight is a place you go on holiday, um, but obviously you live there and, and many people do live there. Could you tell us just a little bit about what the town is like, what your parish is like? Um, yeah. Um, I mean, our situation, I think the way people do, yes, see the Isle of Wight generally as a holiday destination and they see all that's uh, beautiful and wonderful. And uh, But where we are in Ryde, it is also a, it's a lovely town, uh, beautiful town, lovely beaches, and it is a great place to be. But I would see Ryde, but especially the whole island, really is a microcosm of the country. So the island has, uh, yes, it is a place of, of great beauty. And there are places, there are pockets of real wealth. So that tends to be the yachting towns of sort of Cowes, Yarmouth, Bembridge, St. Helens, are, are, are beautiful places with lots of wealth. Uh, but also there are points of real deprivation and hardship, just like anywhere in the country. We've just got the whole country in a small island. And, and so where there is the beauty, there is also the wealth, but there is also real hardships. And, and that probably is would sum up ride, especially um, where there is uh, there is one pocket of ride, one particular ward that would be considered one of the poorest, uh, one of the poorest in the whole country. And until recently, um, I understand I don't know how they work out the statistics, but uh, uh, I understand that we had the highest teenage pregnancy in the country in ride. So, yeah, there's real uh, depravity in that sense, just hardships. Uh, the high schools are all, uh, all high schools uh, historically over time have, have all been failing. So there's, yeah, there's hardship. Wow. And so but there is beauty. Is it the sort of place where people who grow up sort of seek to try and get away from? Is that the sort of place they might go to university and, and never come back? Yes, that'd be right. So those who go to university, uh, by and large, don't come back. Right. Uh, but there would be a high, high percentage of people who just won't go to university. Right. So there is, it, it becomes an accentuating difficulty. So the employment isn't great on the island. So people are just getting used to not working. Um, and so whilst I would want to say there are, we have not many teenagers uh, in the congregation. There are teenagers, yeah. but it's a whole underworld, right? Really, very interesting. So, and so, I mean, you mentioned there um, unemployment. In terms mm. of employment on the island itself, I'm imagining it's mostly tourism. Is that right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But people commute to the mainland as well. Yes, and people do. Uh, and yes, those who, by and large, those in professions 
who obviously don't have a job on the island would commute mm. and uh, there would be those who would commute to London certainly wow. not, da- not daily necessarily but you know maybe go up for Monday Tuesday Wednesday then come back right um, I mean you can get from from where I live in Ryde I can get to the centre of London in two hours yeah so it's not it's not a massive deal yeah it's the, the water you just have to think of the water is a real dividing point Yes. And it sort of cuts both ways. So people get on the boat to come to the island and they're on holiday. You just sort of almost feel like you're going to Yeah, you've got on a ferry. It's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. But the other way, people just tend not to go. Wow. You know, people view um, the mainland as the other island is is a sort of phrase that... The other island. Oh, I like that. So it is very... They're very protective of of their patch and and so but that both is a lovely thing which is endearing to holiday makers but it it, it gets you into a trap i think yes uh, and i wonder therefore as if we um think a little bit about what the church is like does that also mean you're in a situation where you've got for example several generations of the same family Um, around yes i mean I mean, we do. Yes, I mean there are. Um, I, I think it's there are several families. Yes, where there is one, two, three generations. There's one with one, two, three, four generations. Wow, lovely! In in the church family, which is lovely. So we do have very much a sense of um, of a family feel in the congregation. So, which is yeah, lovely. great. And just tell us a bit more about the church. Um, what sort of size is it? What sort of demographic do you have in the church? Um, um, so we're, uh, we have 100, 155 on the electoral roll, uh, but our electoral roll wouldn't be representative because of our proprietary chapel status. We'll come on to that, I'm sure. Yes. But it's really a membership role. Okay. So we would have uh, probably on a Sunday morning uh, about 120, 130 adults uh and sort of 40 uh, 40 to 50 uh children on right. a sunday morning and about 30 35 at a sunday evening meeting great okay and um has it always been a church with an evangelical tradition yes um yes it has uh they, it just had a, a blip in the mid 1800s when the incumbent went to rome and then came back Gosh. again. <laughs> okay. Um, so, which uh, don't ask me about the details of that. Uh, but uh, there, uh, there was that blip. But historically, in the two hundred years, we're just coming up to the two hundredth anniversary. Eighteen twenty-seven, we started. Um, yeah, historically, it had an evangelical right uh, tradition to it. And you've been uh, there some some time now, I think. Tw- Twenty-one years. Yep. Goodness. And how have you so seen just, the church? change during that time what what have you seen God doing I think when we came there was no doubt there were there were lots of lovely Christians lovely Christian people no doubt at all and we're probably a congregation then of about 80 90 lovely Christian people what I would call sort of old school evangelicalism they just knew what they knew they trusted the Bible they trusted God and in a sense very easy to come into lovely yes but um so that would be the upside the downside of when we came i think was it was more elderly um that was a downside but it it was more elderly and 
I think whilst they were definite, many were definitely Christians, they were ill-equipped with really the revolution that was happening through the eight, through the nineties right. and into the two thousands. So I think unequipped to think critically and to think well on the whole uh, male female issue. Mm. And on the human sexuality issue. Mm. And I think that caused... It would have caused huge difficulties for people. Yes, interesting. Um, As the world was changing, they didn't perhaps quite know how to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think that would have come out of... My predecessor um, was a great guy. As I say, Mm. there were clearly lovely Christians who were left. But he wasn't... He was pastorally minded in so much as he cared for people very deeply, but didn't see himself as a Bible teacher um, predominantly. And so therefore, I think that's that's what I inherited. Yes. And um, and and that was they were ill equipped to cope with the massive revolution Mm. that was taking place, I think. And so but his predecessor. David Marrow, who was there from sort of mid seventies until mid eighties, he was an evangelist. the The church was almost closing, you know, ten, twelve people there. He said, "I'll come, and if I can't see life in a year, I'll move on." And he really, humanly wow. speaking, was the he really rejuvenated. Yeah. So the then you brought all these people in. They had so somebody who'd really loved them. But actually yeah. what they needed then perhaps was someone just to come and open the word to them in a bit more depth. Yeah. And so I I came. I mean, I just very privileged to have had a really good uh, training in letting the Bible speak. And I, I think I was a bit thick to a lot of what's going on. And I just said to people, look, I'm just going to teach the Bible as best I can. And with when then Mark came as a youth worker, that was great to have two people thinking and doing the same thing yeah yeah and I I think those early years were hard years because I think people thought I was constraining but actually uh the Lord in the last seven or eight I guess so yeah seven or eight years ten years yeah. has we've seen the fruit of that yeah well that's really uh, exciting so if you're now a, so, a yep. church you know well there's clearly been growth in numbers during that time but also mm. some growth, you would say, in the maturity of the congregation. I, yeah, undoubtedly. And that's undoubtedly. really wonderful to hear. What are, what are the particular challenges of doing ministry in your context? So you talk about the, the challenges in terms of where mm. the congregation were at, but what about in terms of the kind of community that you've got and the things we were talking about, about the nature of the island and, and ride itself? Yeah, I think, I think, again, I think our battle... I think probably two battles, uh, sorry, battle's the wrong word, things to think through yeah. and work through. So battle in my own mind and then how do we do it? One is, yes, is the context. Um, I think we probably, possibly because of my whole upbringing and background, we're probably more middle class in our makeup of the church than ride is itself. Right. So I think that's a challenge yeah. for us. Um, I think the the other challenge is, by definition, therefore, uh, we have um, the island, by and large, professional people will leave 
won't stay on the island. So we have the, the plus of the, the, the plus of our situation is we have masses of people who will say, oh, I'll do that. If you ask them, Lovely. they'll do things. Lovely. The harder aspect of it, we don't have many leaders. Yeah. So people who would naturally say, hey, look, I'll be a house group leader or yeah. take responsibility. Yes, take People initiative. Have, yeah. Take initiative, take responsibility. Mm. People struggle in that area. Mm. And it's a confidence issue. It's not because they can't do it. It's purely a confidence issue. I know issue. it's very interesting. Um, I know uh, you were at the Renew conference recently mm. and we, we didn't really manage to chat, but we, mm. we did say hello. And I, I think I found it very interesting listening to some of what we're talking about there because the assumption was that we're working with churches where actually our, our people are used to taking leadership and responsibility yeah. in their everyday yeah, yeah. lives and therefore mm. why aren't they doing it in the church and I think the reality is in many of our churches actually we, mm. we're not they're not full of people like that they're full of people who in their everyday jobs are told what to do and do it yeah and so yes. there's an extra challenge mm. in the church yeah. to help those people begin to see themselves in a different way and yeah. and as you say take on responsibilities yes and um, I th- and I think it's a result um, what well, I think the the deeper people have a longing to know the Jesus of the Bible. So if I teach the Bible well, I think they begin to see we can do this, not necessarily as a house group leader or a preacher or that sort of leadership role, but just by sharing Christ with their friends. Mm. And and that's how it's going to happen. And I think that's how evangelism is happening anyway now. Yes. It is relational. Yes. So people know about relationships. I think you, you take the layers off again. And of course, a, we would probably have, I think we probably have relative some churches we could think of. We would have more people in dysfunctional setups. So tough family scenarios have come to Christ out of very difficult situations yeah. and uh, are, are actually would be considered in the whole safeguarding thing, yes. vulnerable adults, vulnerable situations. Now, I think that's probably happening more and more across the country anyway. Yeah. But I think that that would be a particular tension for yes. us. How do, how do we minister? How do we encourage people? who perhaps aren't going to get way beyond the start line yeah. in life. Yeah. When everything in the Bible says, grow, why am I giving you milk when you should be on mm. solids, all this sort of stuff. And actually, I think a lot of our guys never will be off milk. Does it mean they're not Christians? No. Does it mean it's a challenge? Yes. <laughs> and also, I don't think it means that those people shouldn't be serving you know actually you know we were talking about at renew every member ministry and i think there's a real challenge there for us to think well what does that mean for those kind of people what will their ministry look like because it will be there and there will be amazing things they can do that you or i can't but we need to have a bigger vision of what that could include talk talk to me a little bit uh james about tourists do you get a whole lot of tourists sort of come through your doors and and reach out to them um, summer's quite good fun um, because basically all the regulars go away and <laughs> we, have a, we have a different church. I just stay there and I have a new church for a, a few weeks. Um, so I think, yeah, the Internet's been brilliant in that. So, you know, we got our website. And when I ask people, certainly holiday makers, how did you find us? It's either word of mouth um, 
or people say we just looked you up on the internet and saw that yourself and our partner church grace church are really the only two options with what we were coming from so that's lovely so people do come on yes recommendation or they look it up um and that's amazing we're constantly amazed people come you know come to us on a sunday and if they've only they've got a week's holiday it's just lovely yeah i we are far more blessed than i think we could ever give to them oh lovely on a sunday is it really, the, uh, genuinely so it's just massively encouraging i wonder is it the kind of place um so i remember talking to someone once in eastbourne and he said one of the, the lovely things about their sort of ministry to tourists was that you would get the same people every year quite often, mm-hmm. you know, because people would go on holiday to the same place. And so they would go to their holiday church every year. I don't know whether you do you get that. Yes, that would be. Yes, that would certainly be the case. There would certainly be significant handfuls yeah. of people who uh, that would be the case. Lovely. Um, yeah. Which is really encouraging. It's amazing, really. I'm amazed. Yeah, <laughs> I I think so too. I mean, we we occasionally get a visitor at my church, but we we certainly don't have that that sort of influx um, mm. of people to to deal with. And um, is that an encouragement to the to the rest of the congregation? Do they see that as an opportunity to to meet other Christians and to yeah, I think so. Them? Yes, I think so. I think the um, again, I think historically, and I. Mm. We're probably no different from any other church. Historically, people are quite cliquey is the really negative word, isn't it? Uh, friendly. They have their friendship <laughs> groups. Yeah. And to get people to look out yeah. and say, you know, maybe at, at our point in the in a morning meeting when the children go out, I encourage people to turn around and introduce yeah. themselves. Uh, people just find that really hard. Mm. But I think that is a social makeup. That's not a necessarily... Um, against them they just find that hard but as we've got a greater number of people doing it now they're getting used to it so it's lovely it is lovely great um so you mentioned uh briefly earlier that st james is a proprietary chapel could Mm. you just explain because not everyone will know what that means um Mm -hmm. and uh what are the sort of implications of that in terms of things you can and can't do or whatever yes i mean i think i mean there what are there about a dozen of them in the country and they're they are they're all they probably all have a slightly different flavor in terms of their actual trust makeup but in principle for us uh uh i am licensed by the bishop of portsmouth but that's almost the beginning and the end of our ties so we have uh, probably the easiest way to describe it is we have i have no parish so okay. the island is my parish and we have no financial ties with the diocese at all. Oh, wow. OK. So we get nothing, but we give nothing. OK. Um, we do offer to give uh, when we use resources, we say. Bills. Yes. But um, generally that that is the deal. You're self-sufficient. So we're totally self-sufficient. So Anglicans who come to St. James's think we're very free church. <laughs> free church people come to St James's and think we're really Anglican. Yeah, so I re- and so I reckon we're about right, really. Yes, so <laughs> in that sense. Um, so just um, you have no parish. Yeah, but presumably, therefore, you are in somebody else's parish. There are yep. other Church of England mm. churches around who sort yep. of like normal. It's all divided up yes. between them. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. How do they 
relate to what what you're doing um by and large it's fine um i think the uh the dislike or the the difficulty would be doctrinal okay so it would happen wherever i was yeah to be honest by and large though i mean with the previous incumbent of all saints the parish in which we're in actually was a great guy and i i mean he was a high churchman but we got on well he understood where we were um and so on i uh, previous i've now i've now I've seen uh, uh, four incumbents have gone in and out of All Saints since I've been at St. James. So I don't know if there's any correlation there, but uh, uh, some have been helpful. Some have been tricky. Okay. Um, but I think that's just reality. Yeah. But I think it nearly all hangs on doc- doctrine rather than anything else. Right. And I, so I think uh, it's really interesting. Most people think that I'm as evangelical as I am because I'm in a proprietary chapel and they're utterly amazed to hear that I'd say, well, I'd operate in exactly the same way if I was in a mainstream parish. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, it, indeed, I think most mm-hmm. would say if I did operate in that way, life would be very tricky. <laughs> <laughs> so presumably so, um, you are free from some of the things which uh, in a parish you do. So for example, mm-hmm. Uh, I guess you don't have any obligations with respect to baptism or marriage. Yeah, the occasion, occasional offices um, really—they're uh, just for church members. I mean, I'll do one or two things outside. You know, if people come from outside, if there's been a historical link or as a particular desire. But by and large, uh, weddings, funerals, baptisms are are internal. So I have very few. So I'm free of a, a lot of those things. But interestingly, um, I don't have, therefore, natural links into the community in that way. So it cuts both ways. It cuts both ways. And so, for example, I don't know whether you do you have links with a school, for example, that, that often might happen because yep. you were in the parish. Um, for 15 years, and actually shared uh, with Mark Wallace uh being as chaplain to Ride School, which is the private school in Ride, um, we had links, uh, obviously close links there. Um, but the, in terms of uh, state schools, we've had some some links, but of course that then begins to immediately cross the the, the parish boundaries. Somebody else is feeling actually yeah. that's really there. Yeah. yeah. So where there where there was nothing. Um, we would make ourselves available. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, which is interesting. Well. And so, um, you said the the bishop is simply responsible for for licensing you, but mm. not obviously for your appointment. So, yeah. Um, who gets to make the appointment? So, church society, uh, church society trust are the trustees. I, I, I be careful legally here of being exactly right. <laughs> We're not um, going to hold you to it. but <laughs> So, as I said, it's just getting the language right, isn't it? So church society are the patrons and therefore trustees. And I suppose what differs between St. James's and uh, being uh, patrons of a, a parish church is that the buildings are held in trust by the trustees. So... Um, for the sole purpose of promoting the gospel in the in ride, so the church building and the uh, the manse, I think they like to call it, um, is they're not ours at St James's, but they're there for our use. 
Yes, um, exactly. So, church society trust. Um, I mean, I've only ever been to one of their meetings. I'm not really part of those decision makings. But yes. in addition to all the uh, discussions they have about appointments mm. and, and so on, there's always that sort of standing item. And here are the buildings that we have, which is not huge amounts, but we do have yes. some, you know, and are, there, is one of them. Exactly, and are there any issues that we need to be aware of that we need to get sorted out in different yep. ways? Um, so yep. we would have that responsibility rather than the diocese. Yes, yeah. So and um, and just like most dioceses now, you've passed over the responsibility of upkeep to the to us, which is fair dues because uh, we we benefit from it. Um, and I suppose that's I mean that's where is there's, there is a, a lovely link. So having uh, really godly trustees. So there are three. I think what they call them continuing trustees, trustees from church society and two from the church family. Um, it's just a real privilege um, because they're just godly guys who want yeah. the best thing. And we meet once a year and I have a, a conversation, grilling, encouragement all simultaneously. Um, Lovely. Which is, which is just great. So that, in effect, is my appraisal yeah. as well. And, and we want so to make it, sure we're doing what we need to to support your ministry. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, we're invested yeah. in that. So, yeah. So we're so, so I, I, I so the interesting thing. I mean, the, the muddied waters are that although I come under um, uh, the Bishop of Portsmouth uh, for my license, so I'm outworking his ministry in St James's. I don't really report to him. No. In any way, I would see my reporting is yeah. to the the, the but, trustees, um, and yet, even then, they can appoint me. But St James's Church Council pay me. Yeah. So you you know, you could have a scenario where one uh, St James's don't want to pay me anymore. Yeah. But Church Society <laughs> want me to be so that. I mean, I mean let's hope we don't have those issues. Beautifully, there is a, <laughs> there's a there is a wonderful unity yeah. across those two things yeah. uh two parties and and that works well and that's and that is something that has got better and better over years over Good. the years and i think has got better because we've become clearer Great, uh, great. Doctrinally, so that's, that's been good. That's really good to hear. Um, mm. Just we need to move on, really. But just tell us, yep. James, um, you've been there for for twenty years or so now. What are your mm. hopes looking forward for the future? What would you love to see mm. God doing in the next yep. five or ten years? Um, I think it's very interesting we're having these discussions now um, as a, a church council and our leadership, who are both fantastic groups. I mean, that's uh, another thing that brings us lovely continuity. And the, uh, the church council keeps saying, James, what's our strategy? What's our strategy? And I said, well, I haven't really got a strategy. <laughs> um, in so much as they said, what would you desire in 10 years, 20 years time? And I said that the gospel's preached. Mm. And then they say, OK, let's now work out how we're going to do that. But uh, so I think that's which is really helpful. So I think what, what is my real goal for 10 years time? is what well, would be about sort of time I due to retire it'd be to pass on a church that yeah. keeps doing the same yeah that would be the desire um and probably do it better that would be uh, uh I think also the desire I think in that I think what would be lovely I mentioned that before we have this partner church which we it was a church that we were thinking of doing something on an estate near us 
and uh, we were praying about it and then we were approached with this little fellowship that was going to close um, by the trustees there and said would we take it on and we said we would but they remained independent so it's an FIEC church and that's really grown and they, they're they're really grown so we got we're in a, a really good partnership I'd love to see either Anglican or otherwise four or five churches that were utterly codependent so there wasn't sort of one that would be over the others but had a codependency however big or small so I, I think scale is huge on the island as well so I don't think we're a big church island thinking would be that we're a big church yeah so scale is hugely important to understand and I think it's very hard to maintain a clear doctrinal position and real focus if actually you're a church that may never be more than 30 or 40 people but if we could have four or five of those that knew that they weren't just 30 or 40 people they were actually a couple of hundred people to all together I think that could be really exciting I think it's, I think it's the only way genuine evangelicalism can stay alive on the island great um, so uh, well not the only way but it is a it is a it is a way that could be the case that's a great sort of vision to have and to begin yeah. to be thinking then what steps yeah. you might take to move towards something like that yeah and I think the beauty uh of where renew is at particularly it's why i'm particularly sold on being involved in that is to do that Mm. within or without the structure Mm. i think it's just massively positive great Um, so within i the desire would be to be able to get good guys to come into the parishes that still do have an incumbent that would be fantastic i'd be sold on doing that and we've got one guy actually who has come in at st paul shanklin and we're wanting to really support him yeah so i'd want to do that but actually if that's too difficult yeah let's not stop the let's look at other ways and to be able to do it under an amy umbrella uh i think would be fantastic and equally an fiec one as well to be able to do it all together i think would be great great that's really exciting um just as we finish um we mm. do love to pray for our church society parishes and we do do that regularly mm. but often uh we don't have space for a lot of detail in those things so maybe could mm. you just give us um a two or three things that would be really great to be praying uh for you or for the church over the next few months next few months um there's the possibility of me having a, a sabbatical Sorry, that sounds very vague because we haven't decided it. But the council actually had their wisdom very kindly have said, I need to have one sooner, sooner than later. So uh, we'd really value prayer on how to do that, watch how it would work, but how it would work for the church as well. So um, because I've not had a formal one in the 21 years I've been there. So so it's a new thing. So that would be one thing. Secondly, just wisdom over this um, of how we structure the staff. So we've got myself and James Ponton, who's an assistant minister, who's just brilliant. But we've got this gap now in youth and we're thinking of taking on more of an overall children's uh, sort of children's minister who would be a he or she would be a, a real facilitator for all the volunteers in that children's work. So do pray for that, that we'd have wisdom. And the right person would be found. 
and actually that person to be someone with um the safeguarded with the um just vulnerable children aspect of things which i think is only going to get bigger mm -hmm. that we may well have someone who have an expertise in that could be massively yeah positive yeah. for us um so yeah we would Great. value prayer on that value prayer on that longer thing yeah longer term thing would be good and actually just our our continuing relationship in the with the bishop of portsmouth with the diocese it's very interesting i'm sort of finding myself with the congregation fighting to stay within the church of england and with the with uh, that it's almost sort of flipped upside down when i go and talk yeah. to the diocese uh it's it's very hard okay. so and, and rod thomas has been a fantastic help great as well. so we're we're under him as well great um but i think those things so our ongoing relationship the staffing thing um my sabbatical i think those three things would be enough to keep people going i'm sure lovely it's been great talking to you james thank you so much uh, thank you